0: Let's Talk Shop, a podcast for the small business owner and creative entrepreneur. You're listening to Season 1, Episode 9. My name is Therese and I'm your host of Let's Talk Shop. I work as a small business mentor, helping business owners to grow their wholesale. If you need some help getting motivated, prepping for a big meeting or maybe a trade show, You can book in a power hour with me, which is a full 60 minutes on video call where we can talk all things business. In the past, I helped my clients with their sales material, done a very basic pricing review in an hour, or we worked on their terms and conditions, or how to approach a stockist and who to approach. We talked about whether a trade show is the right decision for them how to go about planning and organising and attending a trade show and getting the most out of it. I even had a call with someone helping them prep for the handmade festival. It's pretty much anything that you feel that you need a little bit of extra help with so that you can take action and grow your business. If you are interested in booking a power hour, you can do so straight on my website and the link is in the show notes. In today's episode I talk to Sydney Warren from Papersmiths. Papersmiths is a small chain of beautiful curated stationery and paper goods and I love speaking to Sydney. She has a real passion and love for beautiful products and it's so inspiring and it really comes across in our talk. Unfortunately the sound quality is a little bit sketchy and I've done my best to edit it out but it's quite clicky in the background and I hope that that won't be too disruptive for you because I really think it's a great episode otherwise. Papersmiths is one of those stores that I hear my clients talk about as a dream stockist and it was also mentioned and recommended by Henry Davis in episode two as one of those places where you can always find something different and new. It was so interesting to hear how Sydney and Carl started the business with just £500 and a whole lot of love for beautiful and well-made products. I hope you enjoy the episode please remember to share where you are tuning in and tag me at small underscore business underscore collaborative and I'll happily reshare it as well but without further ado here's my talk with Sydney. Hello Sydney welcome to let's talk shop thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me and hello really excited. Before we kind of get on with the actual interview a bit, it would be great if you can tell us a little bit more about yourself and the business.
1: I had been working in retail as a sales assistant at American Apparel down in Brighton. It was when I was doing my degree and I wanted to be a teacher but got this job in retail selling clothes and I just fell in love with it. I loved the way that everything was merchandised and how there was this whole system that created a store that functioned really well and I loved helping customers choose things. And I I'm just I'm a big lover of brands and when I fall in love with a brand I I like to buy into it in some way or be involved. So I had really enjoyed retail, kind of had this aspiration to open my own shop, which had been something that I dreamt about as a little girl. But then I, I went to university and I studied education and I taught for a bit after that and quickly found myself wanting to do something different. So I was doing a bit of illustration on the side. I quite like drawing and making jewellery, and I'd sell vintage clothes and bits and bobs at the market. And then I met Kyle, my business partner, in um, a pub in Dorset. I'd just moved home, and he had two, and we thought, let's do something creative together. We didn't really know what, but we, we ended up starting to do a bit of design work for local businesses, where I would do the illustration and he would do the graphics and that's how our design studio was born.
0: And that was in Bristol, was it? Well, that was actually in Bridport,
1: in Dorset. It's a, it's a gorgeous market town with a really strong creative community and lots of independent businesses. And it's where I grew up as a child, and Kyle had lived there since he was about 16. So we started this design studio, which is called Studio B, and we were doing graphic design jobs for the local businesses and doing things like painting walls and restaurants and designing programs and
0: websites oh that's exciting and when when did you move from there so in 2013
1: we wanted We I mean we were both what, 23 years old at this point and we'd left city to move home and start this business So we thought let's move back to the big city but we wanted to be close enough to our clients in Dorset so we picked Bristol where there was this flourishing community of people who were starting up cafes and breweries and opening shops we moved our studio to a little premises there that happened to have a shop front and then after about six months of being there and we were kind of struggling to make ends meet we didn't have that much design work and now we've started renting our own rooms and shares rather than living with our parents so we <laughs> we were a bit broke uh we thought and people kept knocking on the door and saying are you a shop because we had these huge windows and all of our design magazines and decorative things and prints were dotted around. So we kind of got the idea from people coming in, and we thought, okay, let's open a shelf. And we had 500 pounds. And really generous family who came and helped us build shelves and do all the sanding and create a beautiful shop fit. And we just spent 500 quid on a small selection of our favourite design products, which for me was very much stationary and paper. So Kyle was magazines and we just brought together this collection of products that we loved and then people came in and bought stuff
0: oh that's amazing 500 pounds is not a lot of money no it's not and but at the time it was everything
1: all that we had and we managed to convince these brands that we should stock them and i remember writing to them and saying okay yeah, i've got my first order ready i'd like one of these and four of these and they came back it's the minimum order quantity is six, Six is the minimum number of items you could order. <laughs> so we had this very minimal shop, and the customers would come in and say, wow, it looks like something in Berlin. And we kind of became known for this minimum, minimal aesthetic, which was just because we didn't have any money.
0: But that worked out really well.
1: Yeah, it did. It did. And it meant that we were very selective about the products that we chose, um, and we were always... I mean, even now it's a challenge merchandising, but it, it, was, it was a challenge making it look like we had stock and we often had very little.
0: Yeah, and did you have the design studio as part of the shop then, basically? Yeah.
1: So it was basically one room and there was a counter down the middle of the room separating the space. So Kyle and I were on one side of the counter on our Mac doing all of our design work and answering client phone calls, and then customers were shopping on the other side. And I'd kind of go over and chat to them and help them. Or if I'd be sat with a client, they'd go and start shopping. And it was really fun for a while. And we had some great parties in there with the illustrators who were showing the work of. And it was just this, it was, yeah, the two of us and the, and this great community of people who came shopping. Um, it's very different now that
0: held again. That's so exciting. And what was the biggest challenge when making that happen?
1: Physically building a shop was pretty tough because I think we had four days and it was Kyle and his brother Ross and me and we they're they're pretty strong and they grew up building and making things. Um, and and they're quite creative talented artists actually. Um, but I think the time we've never given ourselves much time with shop shopships, those time's of the essence and the budget being so low was difficult um, but really all I remember about that time was
0: enjoying it It was exciting and I guess yeah. also you were both fairly young still so mm. that probably helped a little bit in terms of you know, you just yeah. go for it a bit more than you do when you get a bit older <laughs>
1: Definitely, and there's definitely a sense of our fate very much being in our hands you know, we have moved out of home we were forced to think of creative solutions to make ends meet and that's kind of the nature of running a business in general you're responsible for your income at the end of the day and it's not quite the same as going to a job and getting a salary you, um, you have to make the sales be able to pay yourself and and also your team
0: yeah and uh, i mean not only paying yourself but the team it taking us. On a lot more responsibility all of a sudden. Yeah,
1: yes, exactly. I remember our first employee, Rachel, joining us in that space. And I don't know what she must have thought, because we were running this design studio and this shop. It wasn't like a traditional shop. It was just a little bit chaotic
0: at times. We
1: were, we were making it up.
0: Yeah, but I think a lot of people make it up as yeah. they go along. Yeah, that's how we learn. unless you have loads of experience with running a shop before you open yeah yeah I think I mean with most businesses too you know we can plan and stuff yeah I don't know I didn't have a proper business plan I had a plan but not you know a super detailed thing and it just kind of you test and try things
1: yeah exactly I'm I'm a firm believer in having a vision and knowing where you want to go but There's definitely a need to be reactive and flexible and to respond to what the climate is like and what customers are wanting and what challenges you happen to face. You kind of have to veer off path a little bit every now and again, don't you?
0: Yeah, and I think that's how you continue to develop and keep up with time. Yeah, yeah so then what happened after that shop where where, where did you open next and how did that happen where did you how did you decide where to go next
1: well we wanted to find somewhere where we would have similar success to what we'd had in bristol so we were looking for a community of um a local community who appreciated design um, and who would be interested in our products but somewhere that would also attract tourists because we found that when people were visiting the city of Bristol they liked come and see us. So we wanted to be somewhere where we could enjoy that kind of trade as well. And we needed to be somewhere within fairly close proximity to Bristol. So we went and looked at Manchester, which wasn't very close at all, but it was an exciting city and I quite liked the idea of moving to a new city. Personally at this point I thought Manchester was good. So we found a great shop. Put in an offer, but it was rejected, and then found another great shop, put in an offer, and that was also rejected. And it turned out that Cassart, the big stationery shop, was taking both of those units and knocking through and playing in kind of art typeface. And then we so we went quiet on our plan for a bit, and then in 2017, early 2017, sort of February, I thought, well, what about London? And I'd heard about Box Park, which is a development in it in East London just by Shoreditch High Street station and it's a bunt bulletin container that has been turned into shops and bars and restaurants. Really exciting, great location, fantastic design community and also tourists visiting that area. So we went to the US and thought we could do a little pop up, but the cost of a pop up was extortionate in comparison to renting a unit for a year. So we signed up for a twelve month lease and we were open by May twenty seventeen. And it was sort of an opportunity to test our concept outside of Bristol and see how it would do in London, and and we rebranded because we thought we, you know London it's a big it's a big smoke it's international city it's like ev- everyone's got it's a different level it's a different playing field so we we kind ca- we kind of upped our game I suppose and we spent money on the on the shop fit and on the rebrand and we I, like. I think we're all in the studio. We're all really proud of the work that was created there. We had a great team of people who did that work and made something that really stands out and that customers still appreciate today, two years later. Things like our test the pen packs. And so anyway, so we opened in Boxpark, and then um, that was going really well. And a year later, we then started checking our eyes field for other opportunities. We opened in Brighton in May 2018.
0: That's so great. It has to say, each location has that creative feel, though, don't they? Yes,
1: exactly. I mean, these are all really exciting locations where you, it's the kind of place that you and I like to shop and spend time and chill out in because there's always something to get inspired by. Mm. And, I, you know, it's, it's greatly part of that kind of um I keep wanting to say community, but it's, it's more than that. It's like a destination, um, where there is a local community.
0: Yeah, you have both. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: That's it. Um, and then after that, we opened in Chelsea, um, just around the corner from Stone Square. It's a it's a totally different category. of fish. It's this really sort of high end shopping neighborhood around Stone Square. You've got the Kings Road, and you know, department stores like Harrods around the corner, and there's a road called Pavilion Road, which is the street that we're on. And the idea that the landowners there were, were going for was to create something that felt like a sort of village feel, a traditional little street with a cobbler, a fishmonger's, um, somewhere where you can get coffee, there's a really nice wine, and they spoke to the residents and asked what everybody would want. And the community really wanted somewhere where they could get stationery and books and magazines. So they came and invited us to open a store there.
0: So we did our research and decided
1: that it was a good idea. And we
0: opened there last autumn. That's exciting that you were invited to be there too. They picked you. It's pretty nice when that happens. But we had this, they said, come in and meet us and
1: tell us your story. And I went down to their offices in Duke of York Square and went into this big conference room. And I had to tell the story of the brand. Um, and convince all the, you know, a bunch of l- really lovely people, but all in a different environment. I mean, everyone's wearing a suit and it's a conference table and there's a screen and I'm making a presentation. And at this point, I just really viewed myself as a little shopkeeper. And and then I'm there <laughs> presenting these bigwigs who it turned out were all just really lovely, normal people who are very supportive and actually very interested in the kind of products we're selling. So that was great. And we opened up in, in autumn. And then uh, Wolf and Badger, the department store down at King's Cross, they're, they're an amazing concept store. They've got a brilliant mix of concepts within there and they invited us to come and do a confession. Um, so we've got a little kind of light version of a paper smith in the ground floor of space and then we curated a book and magazine section for the upper level. We the
0: open there last as well that's exciting. I love a good book section you have you have books and magazines in all your stores no? yes
1: we do yeah
0: i I love a well curated i i came from a publishing well part of my background is in publishing. I just love books oh. and coffee table books magazines those like nice magazines yeah. you can get now that are just like a coffee table book yeah you actually keep there's just so much lovelier like the paper is nice yeah so much different from like your regular you know cosmopolitan or something exactly you could you can really tell that
1: this it's like a new movement of print the publishers and the creators have been very considered about the kind of finish print finishing that they use so the paper stock and the design and whether they're foiling it they're just they're objects of beauty.
0: They are, and they're almost like collectibles in a way, yeah. and um, completely different, and I think it's nice that it's gone like that. We went more digital, but we now appreciate the kind of beauty of paper again. Yeah,
1: exactly, which is wonderful, because i really feel sure there's a place for both.
0: Yeah, I totally agree you know one doesn't need to exclude each has its place i think yeah so you, now you've opened quite a few stores what's the plans for the future are you planning to open more stores but what, what's your yeah so we
1: would love to open
0: more stores in the future
1: but that's going to be i mean the likelihood is it won't be for another year or two so what we're doing now is i mean i should say basically going from one store to five stores in two years has been very exciting yeah but there is so much that we need to do to kind of set a consistent groundwork because when you have one independent store you don't need things like digital merchandising guidelines or you don't need to think about shops for a particular demographic just you're just working with one shop now we have five and we have got fairly similar customer bases but totally different products will sell in one shop compared to another and we want to achieve a sense of identity for each store but to still have a consistency so that people going in if they know Papersmith, they'll feel like they're in Papersmith. So but just making sure that that comes across in the whole store experience from how things work to the music that's like the style mm. of the music that's playing your experience with the people who are working in the store all of these things it's like well, it's brand consistency, and that takes time and development and experimentation. So we're treating the next couple of years' period to get that right before rolling out and opening these stores. And actually, the timing of this is great, because you have probably heard that things on the high street aren't going very well right now, and stores are struggling. So we need to just make sure we've got something really solid and that the climate is in the best position before we open anymore. more. At the same time, we've got a huge opportunity with the digital side of things because at the moment our e-commerce platform could do with probably quite a bit of work. Um We there's a lot we'd like to do. We'd like to have a lot, a lot, a much wider breadth of products on there. And the most exciting thing about the next few years is that we're creating our own products too. So. That yeah, we're starting.
0: We're launching the
1: first notebook this autumn. Um, now. well, it's,
0: what is it going to be like? Is that is that a secret? Well, I can tell you a little bit. We we haven't decided
1: on the colour yet, but um, it's looking like it's going to be a linen fabric cover. I love that with hardback with some really practical but fun little features to make organising easier and a variety of paper but it's all in development and we have to we're just sampling things at the moment we need to become what we found an amazing producer to work with who i'm really excited about and we'll do the first collection with a very limited edition number. So we can just gauge the reaction and make sure that people actually want to buy a product that we've created. And also just to lower the risk. So it's very exciting. And that will happen in the course.
0: I feel like a new notebook. You know when you spend a little bit on a notebook and it's a special notebook. It's almost like an yeah. art piece. It takes me a while yeah. to want to write in it sometimes. I know. I always skip the first page of my notebook. I
1: just can't there to write on it I think I'll come back and I'll do something I'll do something really clever on there I totally agree with you but
0: there's nothing quite like starting a new notebook no it's like a new beginning I mean it can mean so many things it's probably the geekiest thing but you will appreciate this
1: (laughs) no totally I do and I have that I used to have this one with clothes shop when I was younger. I always thought, oh, if I buy that dress, yeah. I change My life will change. I'll, you know, I'm going to be so much more sorted. Now I'm like that with stationery. So I'll go into the shop and think, oh, if I buy that
0: planner and that planner, I'm so organised. Yeah, I do that. I bought two planners this year. Did you? Because <laughs> uh, <laughs> I wanted to move away from my, I always, for years, I've used the moleskin. Yes. And then I thought, I am going to do something new. Yeah. And then the first one was lovely. It was from a small business. Yeah. Had I not been running my own business, it would have been fine. It just didn't have enough space. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so now I have like a daily one. It's chunky, but I love it. Yeah. It's it's the best thing ever. It's like from Hello Day Planner. I don't oh, know if you amazing. know them.
1: Yes, they do. I love those.
0: They're so pretty and I just love it. Oh, it's so good.
1: But I know what you mean. You kind of need a whole page when you're... Running a business, there's so much to
0: do every day and keep on top of. Yeah, I I I use my digital, like I use Google Calendar, yeah. and then I use like Daily to do sort of to do list. Yeah. You know, scribbling thoughts. Yeah. it's just yeah. <laughs> we all have our own system, and I think we're all very protective of like you know finding that right product to support yeah, us exactly. So that's really exciting them with their own brand products i guess also opening so many shops in such a short amount of time you almost have to catch up in terms of processes and things as well and systems yeah
1: and um my colleague james actually he has been spending a lot of time creating systems and processes um which is so necessary you know to have to because the Tapishness is a very creative space, but it is a business, it is a commercial enterprise and it has to be run as such, even though I'm in, um, more of a creative, uh, sort of experimental background.
0: Absolutely. But you've got to
1: come forward into this new place of organisation.
0: Yeah, but at least you can, you know, you can have people supporting you with that journey and then you can still yeah. do the buying, which is very creative. Yes, Exactly. So, but with um, with the struggling high streets, how what do you guys do to get people kind of through the door? What is helping you guys still get the footfall?
1: I think the, the fortunate position we're in is that we haven't actually opened on any traditional high street. So our locations are more in the sort of independent neighbourhood. So in Brighton, for example, we're we're in the North Lane, and generally there had in sort of May, June there had been a bit of a downturn in sales, but we've now summers here, the tourists are visiting, people are out and about again and they're shopping. And that's just happened naturally without the need to do anything different or or have a sale or anything like that. So we we kind of we're lucky in that respect in that we're in exciting destinations. Um, we do we do use Instagram to talk about what's going on and what kind of products we've got and we build relationships with the people who come into our store so locals and regular our store managers and salesperson kind of let them know something new is coming in and we take their details if if, we, if they're looking for something in particular and then we kind of make contact. So I think it's a combination of things. We obviously do all the digital marketing as well. So we have our newsletter and we keep people up to date that way.
0: I th- I love your your Instagram stories from your buying trips. I I watched them all yesterday. Oh, <laughs> like because <laughs> like you get so excited about new products, and I think it's such I a love... lovely thing to see. Yeah, well, it's, I mean, it stays me. it's me the best thing in the world. How do you find them, and how do you pick? You know, you can't pick yes, everything. I can't pick everything. <laughs> um,
1: luckily, I'm an extremely fussy and particular kind of person, so I can trust my instincts. They can be quite brutal to be honest, um, which is useful, because when I find useful things I find it very difficult to say no to them. So um, I, do, I do go to some of the trade shows, which are great, um, because you have it's a very efficient way to buy, because you've got lots of different potential suppliers in one room and often existing suppliers will be there so I can catch up with them and see the the new products and new collections and things. But I like to get out to places that are a little bit more unexpected, and when I'm doing things in my own time, I I like to travel and go to different cities and visit small shops and galleries and fairs and sometimes I'll come across independent makers that way. Um, But what I'm in a really fortunate position now because, Quite a few people have heard of paper and and some people would like to have their products for sale in our shop. So sometimes people get in touch with me now and they say, This is my product, because would you consider stocking it? Um, so it occasionally happens that way as well. But I mean, for me, the, the real excitement and what I, one of the things I love about life is going out there and finding a station. It's like one of my favourite pastimes. But the reality of running a business is that you can't, and what is a small business. Um, and I just have to try and make time each you know, to get
0: out and do a bit of exploring. Yeah. And so those small business, well, any business, I suppose, but in particular small businesses and independent-run yeah. businesses, how can they kind of stand out where they, when they get in touch with you? How can they be kind of seen and noticed? What's the best way? Yeah,
1: so we have an email address that people email to. But, um, I mean, I think most people will... Emphasize with this, it's difficult to get through all your emails anyway. Um, yes. <laughs> so we prefer people not to just send in samples, but sometimes people do. And I, uh, the reason I say I prefer not to is because I feel really bad if somebody sent something and then I haven't replied to them or or or, or whatever the reason is. But, um, if people I mean, in the past, brands who have really impressed us and thought, wow, this is amazing work, it's been packaged so beautifully and it's good with the brand. But the important thing is that those brands who are successful and that we end up selling in the shelves have really done their research and they, it, they know that Papersmith is the best place for their product and that it will sell well. We do get lots of people submitting product who the product just wouldn't sell in our shop, We're definitely not the right match for them. Um, and I think that is it's not really it's not a personal thing it's just that our customer wouldn't buy it and it wouldn't fit with our aesthetic so i I think doing a research is the most important thing and then I'd, i'd almost say just choose your one favorite brand the one that you really think would be the best place for your product to be sold at and put all of your effort into doing a standout submission which definitely includes a sample to show the quality and and that can be difficult for smaller producers because that costs money but if I have two people submitting a greetings card submission and one has included a sample and I can see that the quality is fantastic and the other one hasn't included a sample you know which one I've been choosing to stock
0: right? Yeah I think that with paper products they're so tactile especially the kind that you stock I think you know yes. it, a card it, you know if you get two cards and one is digitally printed on you know silk paper or something yes. and one yes. is like letterpress printed yes. you know it's yes. just The feeling of it is going to be completely different. Exactly. And I love that
1: you have this terminology in your vocabulary to read (laughs) because this is it. It's like, you just have to touch it. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, we're big appreciators of that, clearly. So getting that across, the only way to do that is to include something that shows your product in the best possible light um but equally trying to there are there are really good opportunities for some of the trade shows in London where and New York actually where you can apply and you can get a free stand or a reduced price stand at the trade shows and that's where all the buyers are going so that's an amazing way to get exposure from the brand to enter those competitions and try and get the free so I
0: think you get a free stand for the whole of the event. Yeah, well, um, I think it's, it's a small, uh, Theopatitis, I can't say his name, he does the Small Business Sunday or something, doesn't he? And he, you can win a stat th- through that at Autumn Fair, I believe. And then at Top Draw, they do the Spotted, I guess. Yeah. And they do cost money, but they're reduced. And I think Autumn Fair actually also do a reduced one for new exhibitors now and Spring Fair too. That's
1: so good. Cool. And also for the National Stationery Show in New York this year, they had about 20 new designers in a section. I can't remember what they called the curation, but they will all these new designs were there with their products. And I've spoken to other suppliers before who have received funding from I think it's exports.gov.uk, Export for Growth, where they support you. The
0: yeah, the Department of International Trade does a yeah, stand thing. That's right.
1: That's right, yeah.
0: And you can get a grant for the whole stand cost. I think it's maximum a certain amount, but, you know, if you're you're yeah. clever with your money, you can include your hotel stay as well.
1: Exactly, exactly. And I think it's really worth taking advantage of, of those things when you're first starting out.
0: So what's your favourite show? Um,
1: definitely a national station show. I love why Now. Yeah. Maison yeah. Objet. I go to Top Draw and Pulse in London, which is great, but I think the the reason why I love the international shows and getting into a different country is because we're more likely to find things that you won't find everywhere else in the UK. And that's re- that's really important to have the latest discoveries that you really exciting that not everywhere else will
0: have. And that's what he- why Henry mentioned you guys, is because she said she can always find something new when she goes to your shop.
1: That is good, because Henry really knows stationery, so I feel like that's the biggest compliment ever.
0: <laughs> I mean, she knows, she's been buying stationery for, what, 30 years? <laughs> yeah, yeah, she's extremely discerning,
1: so that's... Great, that Henry says <laughs> I mean, that's
0: brilliant marketing material, right there. Yeah, I, I just thought it, it, it's so true, though, but because it, it's really hard to do to find those little, you know, those things that you know not everyone has. Yeah, and I, I guess that's
1: actually why we are the way that we are, because that's always been a big priority for us. It would be very easy to just stock all the brands that are at one London trade show. You know, and that would be one buying trip a year and it would be, yeah. it would be sorted and done and, and fairly easy. And we wouldn't have
0: those extra costs like import caps and um, shipping charges from the US. But then it just wouldn't be as exciting. No, I think going to a new country and visiting stationery shops and stuff is really exciting. Yeah. I lived in Japan when I was younger. Did you? For just a year and it's just like I came home with so much stationery.
1: Oh my gosh that's the dream
0: i really want to go to japan you should (laughs) well i think you need to go to japan i know i really do because like the paper well just the stationery i used for school it was so good it was just really good it it was um sort of like very design-led and minimalistic but still had that kind of traditional feel to it so yeah i think that should be on your uh, your, one of your buying trips Although a time-consuming one, it's not. Well, I can tie it in with a bit of a holiday, 2020. That will be so good. I'm I'm sure you will love it. So in terms of other things that is good for you so margin obviously yeah. has to be there but what sort of margin do you need to make it work because i know this is something that you know when you're a small supplier and you produce in small scale that's often tough so what's the minimum sort of thing that you need as a retailer
1: yeah so i think it really depends on the retailer and i the really important thing to remember is that you need a margin that will work for the producer and the retailer so it's a, you know, it's a two-way relationship, so you could say, oh, I really want to get my products into paper finish, so I'm going to give them a really good margin, but then if that means your business isn't sustainable, then it doesn't work. So for us, we have increasing targets each year for a number of different key performance indicators, including gross profit margin, and this year our target is a certain number. But it's based on an average of different product categories. So if you look at a product like magazines, we have a very, very low margin on there and that's the nature of the magazine industry. But on a greetings card you have a much higher margin and they average out. So Yeah. And then also different suppliers will give us a better margin if we order more stock.
0: Yeah, of course. So
1: there are all yeah, there are all these different things together. So as a starting point, most of our smaller producers that is around on um, a 50 to 55 percent margin um, and we we really do try and increase that as much as we can and we've got magazines which pull it right down to 25.
0: Magazines are expensive aren't they?
1: Yeah mar- like
0: margin wise they really are there's not
1: but it, with the ho- I could go on phrases about the magazine industry but the, it seems that there's not really much in it for anyone because producer isn't getting that much, the actual person who creates it, then you've got distributors and printers and the retailer. So yeah, it's it's really challenging, that whole area is really challenging. Um, but with stationery, we enjoy much higher margins and um, the brands creating the stationery do too. Yeah. So a bricks and mortar store where we've got big overheads with rent rates, payroll, everything, um, stationery is a great product to be, to be focusing on.
0: Yeah. And how important is like how it's made and that sort of thing? You know, because there's so much about sustainability now and obviously paper products is part of that i suppose yeah definitely so
1: most of our suppliers communicate that information to us quite readily and it's sort of a, a key fact about their product so fsc paper is standard now and um, lots of our suppliers are avoiding packaging so we're seeing a lot less but rice toys and fellow wrap. some of our card brands are going to are they, most of them are switching over to a biodegradable kind of cornstarch material some of them are taking the wrap away completely and um, so yeah sustainability is really important but also quality so who a supplier chooses to create their product with is really important and we're looking at quality of how hard wearing a product is and how w- what print technique they've chosen and does it look like a premium product
0: yeah I think people are much more happy to spend a few pounds extra if it means that it gives them a little bit more, I don't know, pleasure and, and, you know, long lasting wear and that sort of thing.
1: Yeah exactly and with a with pen you can buy a disposable writing pen for a couple of quid or you can make an investment into a refillable rollable or fountain pen where you can avoid you know with these converters for fountain pens you can avoid single use plastic completely you just refill your little convert cartridge from a glass bottle of ink and that's having that's that's really mean that you're not throwing away ink cartridges which yeah
0: and those kind of throwaway plastic pens, we all go through. You know, we're not taking care of them at all. You know, you, anyone that works yeah. in an office, they will have. I mean, I, I don't work in office anymore, but, you know, I have loads of them in my bag. They just kind of accumulate somehow. Yeah. I don't know how. But if you have a nice pen yeah. that you maybe spend, even not, not even like a huge amount, but that is refillable and just slightly nicer, you keep a hold of that pen much more. Yeah, exactly.
1: See, we have a couple of metal pens that are refillable and they're something like £4.99 and that's you're spending a couple of pounds more but you've got something that you can keep also not to mention they look much better you know I think it's as, it's also as much about self-expression and communicating your style and having some fun with the kind of products that you're surrounding yourself with and using on
0: a daily basis as it is about quality and sustainability i agree and in terms of the naked cards and not having those plastic bags for cards for example is that something that is easy for you as a retailer because it came up with my conversation with henry too but how you know that is all well, and good that you want to have less plastic but it's actually, you know, in practicality it's not just as easy as that for the retailers.
1: Yeah, so we we don't actually have any of these native cards on our shelves yet, but we're exploring it because we always want to try and improve what we're doing. So with products like notebooks, when we have when we have a stack of notebooks and one of them is wrapped in plastic and one of them hmm. isn't, generally the customer will want to buy the one wrapped plastic. But if you have none wrapped plastic, they happily take any of them. The problem comes when, the, and I think it's because they have the choice and psychologically you're thinking I want the new one, I want the one that hasn't been touched. But yeah, the problem does come when products get damaged and if things aren't wrapped and they're not protected, then that's really wasteful because they get a mark on them and then you can't sell them so yeah i hear I hear what you're saying, and I think it's, it's it's an ongoing challenge and we try you know we take really good care of our stuff, and our teams are cleaning and looking after things, but sometimes a child comes in with a pen and just writes all over and over again. yeah yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, and i I suppose with cards, you know, if you had cards that has you know if you have a nice quality card that comes with a nice quality envelope. And then, next to it is another card with a yeah. slightly more generic MLA. you know people ah, can help it. themselves a little bit. <laughs> I think that's like one of the yeah. the yeah. you know challenges i I still think it's something that we you know for personally for the environment yeah. it's something that we need to solve yeah. but I can see how it's it, it can become you know a consideration for yeah. people that's stocking I think those there things you could
1: have a a sort of display of the cards with the envelope that isn't it's not where you take the stock from and then you and then you kind of the stock yeah. is tucked away somewhere safe. It's it's just kind of on a busy Saturday you've got customers who just want to queue up and pay for their item and you don't have enough staff to go and help with things like that is where the problems come. So yeah, I guess we'll have to
0: try things out. Yeah, it's be interesting because I think you know supermarkets and stuff—they're not gonna, definitely not gonna have yeah. the staff to do that. But then on the same time, when I was young, everything was sold without the wrapper. You know, cars was always sold, sold yeah. without anything around them. Yes, that's so
1: true. They were. So I think we, uh, yeah, we can go back to it and it, let's think about the plastic bag. We used to always go to the supermarket and take the plastic bag. And now it's
0: just normal to take a tote bag. Yeah, and people are perfectly happy. And if you forget your tote bag, you think, I'm just going to buy another tote bag because you don't want to buy, you know, the plastic ones. Yeah, you don't want to
1: buy plastic, yeah. Well, you carry it so many times I walk yeah. home with a big arm for them.
0: Yeah, I do that. Today I went to the pet store and I ended up to put tucking like, things all yeah. over the place. Yeah. <laughs> I had like a frozen bone in my back pocket. (laughs) Oh my god. But you know, I didn't want to have that plastic bag. So (laughs) Exactly, you may just sacrifice (laughs) it. Which might have looked a bit strange, but (laughs) I'm not really in town, so it's okay. (laughs) So what makes you say yes to his new supplier?
1: Two things. Falling in love with the product and it being a commercially viable option. So it's all about it's just it's an instinctive feeling, first of all. And I where that comes from. And then the the commercial part is about the margin, the payment term, how it fits in with so with greetings cards for example, what our different occasions are, so where we fit commercially. E- exclusivity. So can you buy that product down the road or in the mm. same town or in the same country? Can we sell it in all of our stores? Or would there be issues with some of the stores? And then rarity. So that also ties in the next possibility. But if something is Mm. brand new and can't get it anywhere in the UK and it's doing all the right things and it works, it functions and it looks beautiful, then um, it's always a resounding (laughs) yes.
0: That's that's good to hear. Yeah. And what makes a supplier a good supplier, someone that you want to build a long-lasting relationship with?
1: Well... I think we are incredibly lucky because our suppliers are all wonderful people. They're so creative, they're so interested in what's going on in the business, and they're making these amazing products. So, first of all, a kind of passion and enthusiasm for the industry and for their product, and then communication. So, some of our suppliers like to update us and tell us what they're working on and ask for our opinion about designs and things like that. And we love that because it means that if we've got a a theme planned for a particular season, we can talk them about it and pick out what would work for our stores. So that kind of flexibility and collaboration, I think the openness to collaboration is incredibly valuable for us.
0: And it makes every day more fun too.
1: <laughs> it does. It's so fun when that happens. And I, and then the when the, the store managers of our shops, they. When I see them, they say, "Oh, the guy from the Cardi Club popped in, or the computer's popped in," and it's so lovely to hear that the brands are coming in. They're really interested in what's in the stores, and they get it along really well with the wider team. And it's just—it's like this whole community from the people who are making it, people who are selling it. We're all part of it.
0: It's nice that they do that, yeah. even though that you have several stores now. Yeah, it's so supportive. Yeah, and do the news like. Do prospective suppliers do that too? Do they? Yes, they do.
1: They pop in, they chat, they try and sell things over the counter. <laughs> <laughs> but no, they, they that's the sort of initial port of call. Um, they pop into the stores, and then the team kind of explain that it's best to get it to head
0: office. Yeah. And it there. I suppose if they get really excited about yeah, it, it's it's, it's nice. <laughs> yeah, exactly, and they'll t- they'll say, "Oh my goodness." got to see this new
1: notebook that someone's just dropped off and that's wonderful because the team really knows what sells yeah so that part can be covered too but that to me when somebody's actually been into one of the shops then I know they've done their research and that they really they really want their product to be in the shop if they've taken the time to go and see what's going on and and if any of you know, suppliers take the time to go and visit the store and And they're proud and they're taking pictures of their products on the shelves and things like that. It's just
0: wonderful. It forces that community feel that you kind of want to keep even as you grow and expand. Yeah, exactly. So uh, do you have any advice that you would give to someone that is new to wholesale? Yeah,
1: someone who's new. I would say it's important to do your own financial planning as a starting point. So if this is a new business for you, it's really important to figure out how cash flow works and how profit and loss works, because they're two very different things. So if you sell 100 cards and you're not going to get paid for three months, you might have cash problems. So I think it's really important to talk to somebody who can advise on that Mm -hmm. if you don't already know yourself, and to figure out, even if it's a really basic cash flow forecasting tool, and then when you're starting to work with new suppliers, agreeing on payment terms, agreeing on prices that work for both of you. So, can you, so the, the benefit of working with a retailer and doing the wholesale thing is that you don't have the big overheads of having your own shop, which I can tell you is very expensive. But you have to make sure that you've got a sustainable business at the end of the day. And it might take a while to build up yeah. <laughs> selling enough cards to, to sustain eventually your own salary and you you know might need someone to help you with distribution and things like that. So I think financial planning is really important. And then in terms of having a, a product that, that people want to buy, having a, a consistent style across the whole collection is key. As, as a buyer, I could, maybe I just want to buy one design, but it would be great to be able to say, yeah, we want all 12 of your designs from that collection because we love the consistency and um, and the theme that's going on there. So yeah, I think financial planning, consistency, and definitely doing your research into mm. the kind of stores that would be best to you. And also, I'd say don't rule out direct consumer retail. You could, if you if you have a if you're an illustrator and you have a good following on Instagram, for example, having your own shop and selling direct to consumer would be a really good place to start. If not, continue to build up and do in parallel to building a wholesale brand.
0: Yeah, and that way you can test products more easily. And you can say to a shop owner, this is, I know this sells. It sells, you know, it's been selling in my own online shop or my Etsy shop or wherever you sell. You know that design works. And it's still not everywhere because it's just you selling it. So Yeah,
1: exactly. And you've still got control over the brand, which is really appealing for new retailer to know that you are being selective about where your product's going. Mm. Um, it's also great to tell the retailer what your best selling items are. And if you've got, I mean, I love anything that's got data, any data driven decisions, we can go into feeling more confident. So if somebody can tell me that this is their best selling item and we sell 10 of these for every one of these,
0: yeah, that's
1: great. So powerful.
0: Yeah. And it, 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 sometimes it can steer you to totally different product, I suppose.
1: Mm, absolutely, yeah. I mean that that's something else because I feel like being a twenty two year old business owner, I was very headstrong and thought that I had all the answers. And now mm. the more that I can just talk to suppliers, they, <laughs> they help guide me and say, "Look, I'm telling you, ten of our ten of our retailers are selling this product and it's the best selling. Try it." And then it, there's so there's an element of that, but. At the moment so many people are telling me to stop water bottles and I'm just like, No, I'm heavy been into business. It's all about stationery. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. Water bottles are great for shops where that fits in. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't have much to do with stationery. Although, I do have a nice water bottle on my desk all the time, but I wouldn't go into the papersmith and expect to buy it there.
1: No, but that's the thing, it is a desk accessory in some ways.
0: It is. I bought mine online. It's a copper one that you can have, well, it came with some crystals. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's really cool. Oh, cool. I love crystals. Yeah, it's from some uh, a store called Life Rocks and you get the you know one of those little things that you get put loose leaf tea in there's different mix of crystals it's a bit woo woo but I love this stuff I love that book. but you have to just like charge it on on a speaker like as in like getting the vibrations oh, wow. into the stones and then you have it uh, in the copper bottle That sounds amazing Yeah, it's really cool That's cool I'm I'm surrounded by
1: crystals right now but none of them have an electric vibration going through them, so I'm gonna
0: look at this water bottle thing. That sounds really good. Well yeah, it's just it's the same I guess as you charge your crystals with the moonlight, a full yeah. moon, for example. Yeah. It's the same idea, I, I suppose that, you know, you charge charge them with energy. Amazing. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I I I always wonder, you know, I, actually, I, I suppose I told everyone now, but, yeah. but, but <laughs> it does make you sad a little bit like, but I suppose it's also a trend thing now. Everyone is more open to these sort of things. Yeah,
1: I think more and more people are becoming open to it. And we all have different ways of connecting to something more meaningful or feeling like we're doing something that's benefiting us and helping us feel good. And for me, it's definitely meditation exercise you've you've just got to have other things to to think about and to help switch off
0: yeah i don't know if you learn that more as as a business owner too you don't switch off as easily yes so you need those little things yeah you you do so i think that's all the questions i have a few final ones which is can you tell us a brand that you think deserves a shout out and a, a retailer that you think is getting it right and a product that you think is going to be big for this autumn? So the brand that serves a shout out is
1: The Completist. They're one of our suppliers. They're great. You know
0: them. Love them.
1: And they're amazing planners, which are a day per page and it's really chunky. It's a really thick planner, and they have the most beautiful patterns on them that Yana, the illustrator, does, and they're um, they're kind of like brush strokes and geometric patterns, and I just love them, and they're the best duo ever, Yana and Marco. And then, the retailer that I think is getting it right has to be Cubits, the Spectacles brand, because they have an incredible product. The quality is excellent. The design is beautiful and they are less feeding in a difficult retail climate they're opening more locations and their stores are doing well and I just love their brand I also love their website
0: I have to look it up I, d- I haven't been on there they've just done it so well it's so easy
1: and simple and just totally in line with their brand like there's no fuss it's just kind of functional classic beautiful I love them Anyway, they're doing a great job. I'm they're sort of like my idol. I just peer at them and look at what they're doing, and then hope that paper can become more and more like them. But in the stationery world,
0: that is perfect <laughs> to have, you know, a store that is doing something completely different, but that you can draw parallels from. Yeah, but I mean, that's the thing is, I I am a big advocate for that for finding inspiration
1: outside of your immediate sort of competition or environmental industry so I love I love looking at beauty brands as well like Glossier I'm just the way that they do their product photography and the movement in their on their website as well and basically I'm just trying to find ways to improve our website and I'm doing a lot of research into other brands and Glossier doing it well and a really inspiring story of how they've grown so Quickly and so successfully, it's awesome. Um, and then the latest product find that I think will be big this autumn—that's really difficult because we've got quite a few things, quite a few new things coming. Well, this time last year, we we started spending a, a lot more of our buying efforts on finding planners and diaries, and we we saw sales increasing massively as a result of doing that. And planners are picking up. So this autumn we're going to have so many more planners and i don't know which one in those about myself. but there's a brand called they're fairly new they were established in 2017 i believe and they create this beautiful linen planner
0: uh-huh, i love a linen finish <laughs> yeah so
1: good i'm in love um with foils the foil the year foiled on the front and they have the way that some brands kind of put Motivational quotes into their parents, but they've done it in a very special way. Nice, I love that. And then there's on the on the other, I'm gonna. Can I just give you one more as well? Yeah, of course. <laughs> My favourite product, the the Mind Journal, which is a journal that is designed to encourage men to start journaling more. Ooh, and it's all about journaling at the benefit to our mental health and wellbeing, and and then ultimately to our success um, and the ability to create and. And be a, I don't know, be like a successful person who feels like they're achieving things. But the the Mind Journal is amazing. So I think it's only been out for the, so. There was what the first one was about a year ago, and we've just taken stock of the second version. And it's aimed at men, but there's no reason why women couldn't use it. And it takes you through all of these tools and exercises to reflect and set goals, and not just kind of set goals in a very aggressive, driven I must achieve this way, but in a more considered what actually makes me happy, what do I actually want to have to buy kind of way.
0: Yeah, I think if we set goals, any goals in life, it's just so encouraging. Yeah, it is. So I'm really, really excited about that. That sounds so great, because a lot of these kind of products are mainly aimed at women. Yeah, yeah. And young, you know, between 20 and 30s, just having something aimed at men is so nice yeah it seems so acceptable now to talk about mental health for women yeah but not as much with men, and that is such a shame exactly
1: and i think also i see that a lot in this in this kind of well-being world of the meditate you know we spoke a bit about meditation and energy earlier crystals and things and that if you were to look at instagram it's usually disproportionate in that women are according to instagram working with those tools and reflecting and sharing very openly about what's going on in in our personal journey but I, I totally agree with men it feels almost like they haven't got this they haven't got this way into it yet that it seems being socially acceptable so perhaps a product like this could be the first step
0: hopefully because i think it it is super common and it needs to be addressed definitely so if a product could do that, just a little part of it and encourage some men to, you know, find a way to help them put down on paper yeah. what they feel, then that's great. Yeah, I
1: mean, it's, that's why I love journaling so much anyway. I really struggle with expressing verbally how I feel sometimes or figuring it out in my head but once you get it down on paper you start to process it and digest it a bit and then make a a positive move in the right direction so I guess regardless of gender it's a it's a
0: tool that we could all benefit from yeah just pen and paper is such a simple tool but it's so good (laughs) yes yes it is so before i let you go could you also tell me how the listeners can find you and connect with you guys yes of course so we
1: are pretty active on instagram and our instagram handle is at paper underscore next and visit our stores in brighton bristol shawditch Chelsea and King's Cross, and you can also shop online or visit our website, it's papermiss.co.uk, or you can write us a letter, because we love real posts, and you can totally write a letter to any of our stores, but the writing one is probably the best location, because I'll always check the post. And also, if you do have a product and you're interested in talking to us about stocking it, I'm very, I'm very happy to give feedback and, and to have a conversation, so you can submit products that you the, writing out in the But yeah, I've, I've really enjoyed it. Thank you
0: so much, me. Well, thank you. This has been really great. I, I think your journey and your, you know, doing something different is really difficult. So it's so great. Thank you. To see and such a good chat. Thank you so much. Thanks. Thank you so much, Sydney, for taking the time to talk shop with me. And thank you to all of you, those who are listening. I hope that you picked up a few tips, And that you now feel inspired and motivated to go out and contact a few new potential stockists this week I can't believe that the summer is almost over and we just finished episode 9 of the first season It's been such a great experience and completely out of my comfort zone I really really have loved to speak to all of my guests There are still three more episodes in the season And after that, I will be taking a little break and then I will head straight into season two later this autumn. If you want to be a guest on season two, you can apply to be a guest. There's a link in the show notes to apply or you can just DM or email me if you want to get involved. I hope that you really enjoyed this episode and if you are enjoying this show please do rate and review it as it really helps others discover the podcast too. I will be back next Monday with another episode where I will be speaking to a brand owner and I really look forward to seeing you then. Have a really good week.